Welcome to Mostly Talk, a podcast about business or an excuse to hear from some interesting people. We'll leave that up to you. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Hi, I'm James Brewster. Welcome to our podcast series, Mostly Talk. Learn more about what we do online at mostly.consulting. This episode, I'm talking to Michael Fair, Director at BIT Recruitment Company. We talk mainly about running, life in lockdown, and life in general. How are you? Yeah, good. Back to future. Mr. Sandman. Yeah, back to future uh, theme. <laughs> I love Back to the Future. That was a good chat. I'm turning yeah, this was, light down. I'd all planned. I had the Pearl of Love sitting there to play, and then I thought, "Fuck, Mr. Sandman, that's a good one." <laughs> yeah. How are you keeping? Yeah, good man. I've I've been uh, busy and and keeping mm-hmm. things uh, keeping things a bit more real. I suppose just um, a bit more yeah. balance, exercise, family time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and trying to switch off. It's quite all consuming when you start a business. So uh, I can imagine it's. Uh, I mean, I've like I'm total OCD controller of all things and i can imagine my part of bit and managing it i can't imagine how you're managing a business this must be so especially doing a startup during you know and COVID it's, times it's like exciting and slightly mm-hmm. stressful and, and you're like you know you wake up at two in the morning and you think about stuff and you're yeah you get up and you write stuff down you go back to sleep but you, mm-hmm. it takes you can imagine your your whole routine shifted with covid anyway but then your whole routine of being employed by someone is yeah. turned up in his head by being self-employed and mm-hmm. and uh but no it's been fun and just little things like dealing with family issues and other things oh, at the time but it was the right yeah, man. yeah no i'm kind of there i think with it or getting there getting better habits and stuff so it's it's good it's is that, that's it. daily daily yeah daily sustainable habits and just yeah what does it say it's not motivation uh this is what i'm learning for the run-in motivation goes um but you know having the uh, discipline just to do it when you're not wanting to do it that's when you actually you make the gains just turning up as Joe Rogan would say you know I, I I come back to you know the running stuff for me Michael you you were really I liked your mm-hmm. I'll move my camera sorry sorry I had my camera over to the other side there but um mm-hmm. you know you you actually posted up a wee thing on LinkedIn about just your mindset with running I thought it was really I never heard it before but you referenced a book was that right just like the get up David put your shoes on and well, yeah David Goggins, Master Your Mind. It's okay. actually up there. I don't know if you actually can see it. It's on the top shelf. It's, uh, sorry, it's David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. Um, this guy's like crazy. He's been interviewed by Joe Rogan um, and he's a, an ex-Marine. Never, yeah, I think I know him. He's, he's like a lean yeah. guy and does the running videos and stuff. He's, yeah, we never used to be lean. Like he was like really, really, like I think he was like 20 stone or something. Um, and he just made a decision like, you know, what life do I want to live? And he's got a really good part in his book where he talks about me and the maker. You know, meeting God or, you know, um, whoever you believe in at the end. If you meet your maker and it's like, this is a life that you're meant to have um, versus what you did and a life that you had. Um, you know, and he basically just wants to go up and meet him and basically say, like, you've surpassed all the expectations. You're meant to have this life and you've had this, you've done this. You know, the guy's absolutely, you know, Joe Rogan talks about him just insane. One of the guys that runs a marathon in a day, you know, he's got the world... Um, Guinness Book of World Record for the most pull-ups in 24 hours. Crazy. 
his hand was falling apart. Like it's actually pictures of it. We just kept going. It was just did you, stop. Did you take you know? a lot from the book? Because you were you into running before that, or you? Um, so I actually got into running through my friend Fraser Kerr. Shout out to you. He works at 1825. Um, he's a financial planner there. A really, really good guy. So we both got, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, we got, both got a bit fat um, two years ago. So we got to like kind of 16 and a bit stone. Um, and he started this journey of like running and stuff and he dragged me into it. Um, described the guy as like a battery. Like he charges everyone up around him, which is a great thing I think to have and someone, you know, really good to surround yourself with. Um, and he got me into running. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just been addicted to it since then. Like since a little bit of achievement doing a 10k two years ago in Musselburgh, um, you know, doing a half marathon um, in Stirling, doing a half in Glasgow. And then, you know, COVID kind of took, I felt like COVID took away the marathon from me this year um, because I couldn't go and do it. And there's lots of other things going wrong in the world. And it's not just about me. Um, and that's why I went out and obviously ran one. It's an opportunity to do the kilt walk thing and just do the marathon in one day. I took me, you know, just under five hours. It wasn't my best time. But I just, yeah, the feeling, the feeling after doing a big run, the achievement, you know, the pain that you go through during those hours of running, um, like my legs were like shot. I think I'm like pistons. They were just seizing up. They were painful. I was probably running crooked. Like it probably wasn't helping my body, mm. but I wasn't stopping. Like I was just dedicated to finish that run. And the feeling at the end of it, can I describe it? It's such a, it's such a feeling when you finish something like that, that you've just put so much pain into you know? And do you, do you want to stick at the long distance running thing, like marathons? Like, is it you take that box? Do you want to go do something no, more sustainable? Or no, you, I'll you do might... more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't not do more. Um, so, like, there's Ironmans you can do. I'm quite, you know, not into uh, like open water swimming and stuff, but I want to kind of like overcome that fear. Um, like Will Smith says, what is it? Uh, the greatest feeling ever. It's not the exact quote, but he basically talks about fear and that once you surpass it. Um, it's pure bliss, like jumping at a plane or bungee jumping. That's all on the list. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. what about you? Do you have things like this that you're quite keen to do in your life? And I, I don't know. I've you know, done, I don't know. I've, I've been fortunate. I was able to. I worked offshore for a bit, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know had, you know, I was able to earn good money and and had a bit of time and I did lots of traveling mm-hmm. and like I did AFF accelerated freefall, uh, in LA. You know the bucket list, the movie. Was, uh-huh. um, Who's in it is Jack Nicholson and um, uh, that's a good film, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I love the film and the concept of it. These two old men, and maybe, maybe one day we'll look at each other and go, What do we want to do with our lives, Michael, (laughs) at the age of 80? You know, and 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 they wrote down a list, the bucket list, and then one of the things was skydiving. So, Mm -hmm. I was in LA, it's traveling by myself, and I I looked up the place that they went, so skydive Mm -hmm. Paris. And I went to I had a Radiohead concert to go to at night, and I had like three uh, jumps that did uh, skydives, accelerated freefall in the morning, and it's like I, I did a tandem before where you're attached to someone, you jump out, mm-hmm. but then you're not really it's a buzz. But then this was like you're sitting in the classroom for half day, then the afternoon you're just jumping out of plane by yourself. Mm-hmm. I messed up, so you got to like learn how to steer and learn how to stabilize yourself and steer your body and and then when you get to the right altitude pull the cord and so it's all on you so i did i did that and i wow. you know, i well don't yeah immense thing to do in life actually and i feel mm-hmm. really fortunate to do it but i've got friends in norway one of them is brother who he used to be in the i think he's in the norwegian skydiving squad like in a professional mm-hmm. team 
and it's like addictive and it gets to the point that they get into base jumping it's like the next thing you know base jumping because you're jumping off 200 meters as opposed to whatever 5,000 uh, feet or I, I, I suppose which is literally crazy because I see them like they, they did that in the, the David Attenborough documentary they tried to imitate like a, a hawk or a piggy falcon diving and used base jumpers to go and glide right beside the tree line very dangerous though and it, but then Crazy. that's the thing, like the fatality rate is quite high. You know, the guys just get so hooked on it, and then it's like the next thing that was like yeah, squirrel yeah. suit through a rock face, not. So I, I don't know. I, you know, like mm-hmm. you talk about obsessive personalities. It's kind of like one thing that you just probably it's nice to try and get an appreciation for it, but I don't think I'd ever do it again. <laughs> well, but you, you, I think you've done it. Like you've jumped at a plane. Like you've literally given into. Like that's like you know, for me, I fell at a tree when I was young, uh, and snapped both my arms. So my brain has done so basically my brain said danger heights so i go out to my balcony or something now and i'm like that oh, you know but i'm not going to like uh i'm not mr motivation i've had three coffees this morning that's probably why but i'm not going to like go and imagine like being you know whatever age when you when you, when you, when you meet your maker kind of thing i don't want to sound morbid but imagine like not having jumped out a plane um and i just i will not you know not that that happened. Like I'm going to jump at a plane. I might be pushed out or tracked out, um, but I'm definitely doing it. I'm definitely going to do a bungee jumping. Like imagine just not experiencing these things. Like the chances of you being here, it's like billions to one. Like it's a crazy, um, you know, a crazy number. And I think that I never used to be like this. But I just think you've got to enjoy it. There's so many experiences out there you've got to go and just, you know, go for. Definitely. And even so. do you ever watch the the rock climbing movies? I think what's the one that on Netflix. Yeah, the Don face and and what's the other one? Um, ah. What's his name? He's a uh, climbing. Do you get do you get sweaty hands though when you see them on the face? Like your you well, initial response to anxiety. Yeah, like your hands sweat up. Like yeah, oh totally. Um, because there's movie, right. Yeah, it's fear. There's one like see. Um, there's a Don Wall. Um, Don Wall was immense. I, I preferred that one. Free to, solo. Free solo was it was the big one. I think Donwell, I think was un, I think was underrated in some way. It was really good. It was... Mm-hmm. But he's yeah, he's just like crazy. Like he's uh, climbing up that thing. His girlfriend's in the in the van sitting there, being like, "You sure you want to do this?" And he got a feeling. I think one day he went up went up, and he was like, "I don't want to do it." And they were like, "We're not forced to, like, you know, if you're not feeling it today, come down." And he went down. But just my natural feeling of like not feeling it today because the guy's like, "If he slips or let's go, that's it." You know? It's a whole life story, and and like the it becomes like a drug addiction in some ways. You know, the, yeah, yeah. I think totally. it becomes it become a wee bit selfish, and I've got young kids and stuff, and to think mm-hmm. I could go and climb up a a wall with no life uh, saving mechanism on, I think it'd be a bit like you know, it's taking it too far. You know, you've got to provide for your kids and your wife and stuff, and yeah, be there for your wife, and and I think um, whereas when you're single and young and stuff, it's like maybe. It's quite good fun to take these risks, but I think I'm at the yeah. point in life where I just need to be a bit more sensible. But I totally um, get you. Like I think that you know you do have a responsibility to your kids. I've not got kids yet. I'm looking forward to that part of my life. I think it's really exciting. Um, but I think you still need to have like you still need to enjoy your life. You still need to have like your stuff and be like, you know, like oh I'm away this Saturday to go and do this. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, can you, you know? Because I think and, and it, I suppose it's sharing. I, I don't have kids. I'm sure hopefully that ba- hopefully Lucy's happy with that balance. But um. <laughs> Just being able to go and do your thing as well and get away and you know still continue to yeah to enjoy it you know? have you, you've, um, you've got such a great attitude to, to a lot of things you know and even you know i have chatted a few times during lockdown but you've got you're a positive you're an optimist right and and you've got yes. this sort of 
humor about you and you're laughing at things that and it's it's important right but even the running thing that's given you a real sort of focus and and positivity i guess is that fair mm-hmm. to say that that is yeah i mean i don't run uh i say this to people i don't run because i want to uh i run because i need to there's not like you know Lucy says you're like, you know really good so that's my fiance she's you know, you're a really good runner and i'm like i don't think myself as a good runner um I feel so much happier, better, brighter, um, you know, when I run, when I finish a run. Um, and if I don't, I'll get caught up in my own head um, and overthinking things and, you know, having a repetitive thoughts of, you know, just silly things in life that won't even matter in a couple of years. Are you quite time. grumpy? Do you go into yourself on days like that or what do you do? Yeah, like I'll kind of just like, yeah, go into myself, you know, if I'm not having a good day. And then see when I go out, it's just a different person. Hmm. when I go out running and I you know I'm, I'm out there and running it's fresh air you know I've got my heart racing I'm sweating um you know trying to sprint some of the some parts of the run and stuff like that or some days I'm not feeling that I'll just go a wee you know out and do you know a 10k and just kind of like hobble along for an hour um but regardless of at the end of it you'll never regret it do you know what I mean that's the saying like you'll never regret a run like it is just it, it just yeah it just makes you feel better you know exercise <laughs> I love this sprinting thing. Like hill sprints for me are phenomenal, right? You it, it mm-hmm. hurts a bit, but you feel such it's a horrible. buzz and you get, yeah. you get like, like a good return on your investment of time if you like, you know, you yeah. can applaud away for for miles. But mm-hmm. to do hill sprints, stuff it really gets your heart going and mm-hmm. you feel like I don't know, I just feel immense afterwards. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to do hill sprints with someone or to chase somebody. Yeah. You yeah. don't do this until so you don't do this at 30 year old. Like you don't go and chase people. If you go down to a field with your mate. And then go right, first one to that line, see the extra 10% you get out of that. You're trying to beat them. Like, I've never ran so fast in 10 years and see my body the next day. I mean, because I'm literally, you know, cheating it. I like, I don't look like I can run quite fast, but actually, when I, when I go, I can go. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a different, it's different completely. You definitely feel, because it's very high impact, you definitely feel it the next day, you know, or like playing badminton or squash or something. Because you're kind of you know going so quickly or dodging about. I, I started you know? this brand and and I thought it was a bit weird, right? And it is weird, so I've stopped doing it so much. But and I was uh, you know I talked about it before. I, I sprained my ankle like like yeah, relatively a few months back. And mm-hmm. but before that, I came up with this concept called dynamic running, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you, know, you see people going out running, and it's all like con- um, you're very conventional and and and. Mm-hmm. And within the norms of society, you know, it's like go for a run, stay at the same pace, wear your Nike stuff, you know, be seen to be staying on the path, etc. If you go out and you act like a kid, you know, it's like what the parkour people do, like run between trees and chase yeah. with your mates, play tag or whatever. Uh-huh. And I like the concept of, you know, running doesn't have to be this sort of conventional way of doing it. You can mm-hmm. go zigzag through trees, run through forests, you know, run Enjoy around it. trees. And it's like yeah. it's like the kid that was inside you coming to life again it, and it makes you feel alive it's really good fun but or well, i totally hear you it's uh it's actually quite funny to, to you say that that's the episode of friends when phoebe runs through the park <laughs> yeah and so you know so rachel won't run with her because she's embarrassed and then she turns around and is like why do i care what people these people are doing and then they start running through the park you know with their arms and they are flapping about and but they're happy and they're enjoying it and that's that's the main that's the main point of it i mean what's the point in running to standards or staying within the constructs or confines of like how you should run or shouldn't um you'll find that in trail running road running is quite boring but see if you go because your mind it's automatic road running you don't need to think about it so your brain can still wander away 
if you go and run through the woods, you won't think about anything because you're looking at your feet all the yeah. time to see where you're running. So if you want to actually get lost and not be thinking about anything, then you can just literally go up the do trail runs. That's awesome, you know. Yeah, I, I've I've done like there's a you might like it. You heard of Donny McCaskill like this? Uh, no, Donny, I think it's Donny McCaskill. I'll get you his name. Donny Campbell, sorry. Mm-hmm. So he's a Scottish trail runner, and I think he's he broke a record this year for. I can't remember what it is, but he works for... 282 uh, Monroe's in 31 days. That's the one. Yeah. Man. So, but there's this, you know, Solomon uh, running trainers, running shoes. Mm-hmm. He does yeah, is that the one with the toes? No. Yeah, they might do a variation on that. Yeah, but they Solomon do all sorts of runwear mm-hmm. and, and ski wear, I think, the two big yeah. things. But he does a free, um, a free tuition on trail running once a year, I believe, through the brand. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you how to like run, run up hills, do trail running. So I, I did mm-hmm. that and I thought, wow, I want to get into this, but never really did, never had time to. But mm-hmm. it's this great. And we've got so we're it's so accessible in Scotland, in Glasgow, with yeah. Stirling, wherever you know, all the different trails there's, and stuff. There, yeah, there's so much there, which is awesome. Uh can I pick up on you know what you said there and your head, you, you kind of said, uh, <laughs> I never had time for it. Never made time for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's so funny, but isn't it? I used to like talk to myself when I was younger and be like, "I've no time for this. I can't do this. I've not got this." And then but you're just prioritizing what's important in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be fair, I had like uh, what did I have that year? I had my dad's death, a second son, an oh, MBA, and a busy job. So, <laughs> oh, that's a definitely, definitely a lot there. Um, the your health is so being, important, right? You, you should know. always have something for yourself, exercise-wise, on a daily basis. I know. Yeah, you've yeah. definitely been you've been through a lot. I mean, you've you, you've obviously got a lot of uh, a lot on your shoulders. I mean, you're starting a company as well, so hats off to you. You're doing awesome, James, and you know, don't forget that that you're you know you're doing a lot more than the average bear um, and smashing it. So though. it's it's self inflicted, you know. You've just got to you know. I don't know. We talked about that sort of insecure overachiever. I was quite a shy kid, and we mm-hmm. sort of think we had that in parallel or in common. That, mm-hmm. You know. I, I felt really insignificant in school and I always had like ambition to go try and be someone, do something. And I know I, I traveled lots and, and, and tried to achieve lots. And then maybe you're uh-huh. like, maybe I don't need to do this. I don't need to prove anything to anyone. And I should just calm my jets and do what I enjoy doing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do what you want to do. It's your life. You know what I mean? Enjoy it. Um, I don't think you should do. I think you should just keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, it is good fun, right? Just yeah, totally. <laughs> it is good fun, and um, just be you. Don't conform. How, how, uh, be you. How, how about you? What what, uh, what else has happened since the last time I spoke to you? Have you had it? You've been busy with work. Is recruitment? Is that yes? It's exciting time in recruitment in a way, but at the same time, there's there's got a lot of sad stories and a lot of yeah. I mean, it's a, there's good there's good and there's good and bad. Stories. I mean, at the moment, obviously, the furlough schemes coming to an end at the end yeah. of October. Um, companies um, are, you know, making redundancies, are limiting staff, you know, is the market the same size as it was for these organisations going into this new job retention scheme? You know, and the, and the difference is obviously that the furlough scheme propped up all the jobs. Um, and what's happening now is that the government's saying, look, you know, don't put people on a new scheme just because, you know, to keep them in a role if the role's not going to exist in six months. Um you know, so there will be redundancies. I'm, I'm really trying to help as many people as I can. Even, you know, out with IT, I'm doing video interviews with people, put them on LinkedIn, try to show them my network. 
Um, I did a video interview with a guy from the arts industry who's a sound engineer and put that on LinkedIn to try and help him out moving to IT. Um, but things are things are picking up, but it's just not to the extent um, you know that we, we ever thought it would be. We never thought it would last this long. Mm. And you know, going when the health secretary mentioned like two weeks ago on the Monday, you know, on our six months, you know, I had roles paused, you know, for twenty four hours. And a lot of companies, because they were like, what's happening then? You know, it was said on this morning. People took, you know, as soon as he said that, thing just went, Phoom. Um, And then it started to pick up again. And I think we had a dam, you know, the kind of dam broke. We had tons of jobs coming out. I think companies just got fed up with it. Yes. And they're like, people are working for home. Things are moving. We can't just keep being so reactive to the market. Let's go. Um, you know, and, and we've had a, a raft of roles coming over the last kind of it's, couple of weeks now. And things are really like up. It. A year ago, you wouldn't employ someone virtually, you know, you wouldn't have. Yeah, I know. And now it's like, it's, you know, bread and butter for you guys, I guess, that you're setting these things up for people. Yeah. I've, 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 I've like, always have a lot of meetings with clients and candidates and stuff and meet them face to face. I think you get so much more out mm. of this. Like, I'm, I'm in people's houses. I you see know, they've got too. people's kids wow. running past. You can see the background, you know. I was on the phone to someone this morning, um, you know, quite a senior organisation, and they had tropical fish behind them. And we're sitting talking about the fish and my dad's got koi and, you know, we're just chatting about this kind of stuff. You're building rapport that you wouldn't have otherwise, right? You'd yeah. be in a yeah. sterile office and you'd be all nervous. You'd be, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd have that hour. But now you've got, you're into the, the what's, oh, what's the books behind you, Michael? Like, wow, you know? And it's weird, Yeah, right? I know. You can, uh, you can talk about it. These are my new shelves that I've put up to try and be a bit fancy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my best ones, if anyone you know wants to know, is the David Goggins one to read that one but also one following from that is Living With a Seal by Jesse Isler and he basically um, gets uh, David Goggins to live with him for 30 days in his house and just like make him you know get him out of his routine which involves like late night running dips in frozen lakes um, running around Central Park at like you know four in the morning oh wow um, it's a really really cool book um, I'll, move push- that. I'll move on to that next so I'm up for it the one, yeah. the one I, I like at the moment, and you'll like it because you're a Back to the Future guy, mm-hmm. and, and your whole career revolves around getting people jobs in the job market, but this is one called The World Without Work by David Susskind. Uh-huh. And, uh, I've never heard of that one. Uh, it's on the FT's list for best business books of the year. But oh, really? The concepts are fairly simple, and, and you'll love it because you're all about future and technology, but like mm-hmm. before, it would be 80% people employed in agriculture. Then it was 80% yeah. people employed in factories. Then it was 80% people employed in service mm-hmm. industries and how AI will affect the world of work. Oh, God. I try to avoid it. I'm trying to stay away from it. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a kind of material shift, you know, from the factories to, you know, the UK being, you know, predominantly a services, um, you know, country. Um, like I work in services, you know, you work in services, consultancies are all the service you know there's so much of this and we don't we don't make anything we don't build anything we've obviously got like you know whiskey and stuff like that but you know i think there's like five barrels of whiskey to per person in scotland just now you know so we've got that um a fact just pulled out for this week <laughs> um but it does scare me because you know the taxi drivers your lorries um even you no know, pilots and things eventually you know things will i don't know that's why I love Star Trek so much. I mean, you look at Star Trek, money's, you know, within Star Trek, money doesn't exist. Oh, well, I discussed this with somebody you know, yesterday. The concept of the enterprise, wouldn't it be cool if we're all in the enterprise? We mm-hmm. don't need money, we just have a higher purpose and we're doing stuff we love. Yeah. 
Brom just pushing together for one goal, you know? And that's the way the world will go, actually, believe it or not. Yeah, because there'll be no Gucci, you know, the brands and things like that, you know, will we'll be, I mean, not to all the brands out there, um, but I think people will just, you know, get with it. We've all been, it's good to have, you know, it's good to have money. It's good to buy ourselves nice things. It feels good. But I think, you know, going through the last couple of years, I've really learned that it's not about, you know, stuff and things and, and products. Um, and there's so much more to life, but you grow up through this. And if your parents are similar to it and they're buying nice things, and they're buying you things throughout school and, you know, they've got rock ports on, they've got Timberland boots on. You go through and conform to this. Yes. And then as you hit your 30s, you kind of go, wait a minute, what? what's all this? And then you start to really learn and grow uh, and become your own, you know. Experiences and go to a nice lodge with your pals and shoot the shit yeah. with people than, than yeah. be buying the latest iPhone or whatever, you know. it's Yeah, yeah. Nice. don't have to like everyone and everyone doesn't have to like you. You know, yeah. I think that's the best thing I've learned. Um, you know, not everyone's going to like you and that's fine. And then that that's like one thing that I think, you know, the social selling stuff that you've caught on to that, you know, you're putting yourself out there a bit and people might go, bloody hell, it's Michael again, his blowhard video on running. But then in a way, it's a good filter because people who don't necessarily like that or, or like mm. that sort of your values, if you like, then sort of shy away from it. But the people who do follow you and the people that come and want to do business mm. with you are the ones yeah. that, you know, have an excuse to talk about running. And, and, and you probably had some really different mm-hmm. conversations just because you put yourself out there a bit more than yeah. you did a few years ago. Would that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it's a softer approach. People, you know, like, oh, so many connections, people in Stirling, because obviously they're all here and like, oh, the castle, oh, the most monument, you know, I live in Stirling. Um, a lot of people from runners, a lot of people on LinkedIn have added me on Strava now, you know, so I've really grown um, just run on Strava and connecting people and, you know, liking their stuff and commenting on it and um, just trying to be positive. But yeah, it's been... I actually got one last week. I messaged on my LinkedIn um, from someone that I know that said, um, enough with the running videos. You've done it to death. Um, yeah. And I actually let it occupy my headspace for like a day. And I was like, Lucy, you know, am I doing too many videos, you think? Blah, blah. And she's like, no, do you? You know, and I actually, let, and I was really annoyed at myself even letting it in. Um, so I did a running video the next day. You know, so like, if you don't want to watch it, don't follow me. Exactly. Um, and it's just like what you know they didn't they didn't have a they had a right to express themselves I suppose but oh completely you know, yeah but at the same time you know you're given so much I, I got positive vibes so I watch your video some days and I've got feck all to do with IT recruitment but I go wow it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool and it's like you know fair play to Michael and you know what I will go for a run today because you've encouraged me and it's like yeah. you know there will be Thanks. a handful of people that you have inspired just by putting a wee video out there and and you're yeah. learning stuff. I, I get a wee bit about, you know, you even you've put some stats out when you published a wee report the other week. You did a survey, is that right? And it, yeah, yeah. So we did a COVID survey on redundancies and stuff like that. It's insightful. It's like, you know, I actually enjoy following it. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just having a balance, like your content pillars of, you know, if it's running, running is one of mine because I think it makes me feel good. It makes me feel better. Um, it motivates me. Um, it keeps me healthy. It keeps me fit. Um, and I like sharing that makes me happy and then i've got obviously my job my it stuff that i share out there into the market if it's useful they're watching it great um but yeah i mean i just replied saying like i hope you have a better day tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you know um you don't have to watch it, it doesn't auto play does it auto play the sound doesn't auto. The, the sound shouldn't the video does yeah. yeah just don't watch it scroll yeah. past it unfollow yeah. me don't disconnect with me though 
but just unfollow me, you know. Yeah. Um, but you've been, I mean, you've put loads of stuff on, on, um, on LinkedIn. Um, you've been everywhere. Um, I've had some crazy experiences that people have been speaking to people mm-hmm. in New York. Have got collaborators now that we're doing business with, and different, um, yeah, people that have different skill sets, different experience. Where we can Good. partner up as a small company. Yeah. And it's like if we were a big company, we'd have that resource in house. But now, yeah. We can just collaborate with people and when work together as a team, and because you're and, you know, why not? Yeah, and, and it's been so much fun, and you're finding mm-hmm. just through putting out a bit of content, people engage with it, and then you have an excuse to speak to them. It's like, hey, do you want to talk about yeah. culture? Do you want to talk about strategy? And and it's it's kind of like as a small business when you're locked down and you're at it, mm-hmm. then it's like pretty much one of the only ways to develop business right now. You know, yeah, I, I'd say it, right, in my mind, you know. No, totally. What do you think is going to happen with uh, with organisations and offices and um, you know multi-disciplined teams over various locations across the globe? Do you think it's going to go down that route now that we're in this? Yeah, in this place. I think there's always a need to. You do. I guess you've you've probably cut up with friends you haven't seen for months, or when you were just locked down at home yeah. to go out and meet people in person is phenomenal. And I don't know if you've done it with work colleagues, right? Yeah, BIT had a sort of a socially distanced gathering or anything, or. We've had the, I mean, we've obviously done like the usual like pub calls and stuff like that and video chats and things. But but I think as we person, came, sorry, did you did you ever meet in person or? No, we've still not done that yet. I mean, because we've Glasgow, we've got our Glasgow office, obviously, and they went into like you know the kind of local lockdown and stuff. And yeah. we met some people in the Glasgow office just before that and had a meeting, which was nice to see everyone. Um, but it wasn't the whole company because people were still on furlough and stuff, you know. So mm. hopefully, as we kind of come into November, things start to get. I hate saying that. Back to some normality. It's not <laughs> going to be the normal at all. No, it's not. And, and um, I'm okay with that. And we've kind of, you know, the world has changed and, and people have to just accept that. And mm-hmm. I, I think like there is a, a hybrid solution in that, you know, we, the, maybe the norm is that you do this, but then it's it's nice to meet up in person and face-to-face interaction builds mm-hmm. trust and relationships. I think retasting yeah. CEO of Netflix, he said that, He's a bit older than us, so he's quite negative uh-huh. about the working from home culture. But I like the work from anywhere culture. So, yeah. you know, we could go and hang out in a coffee shop and do exactly what you're doing just now, yeah. you know, yeah. essentially. And yeah. that the we work, you know, because there's loads of office spaces about that are just vacant right now. So, yeah, you know, the offices that are more flexible, you can come in and, and lease it for a day or, or, you know, if you had a project team that wants to do a focused week, you can go and hang yeah. out in that location mm-hmm. for a week. But I certainly Absolutely. think this, this mode of working for me, it works. And it's the people you feel sorry for. You'll have loads of people you employ that live in flats, perhaps, and they're like climbing the walls a bit. And Yeah, completely. It's, uh, yeah, it's no gardens and flats. Yeah. I mean, it's the demise of the cities. Um, the property market, I don't know who's propping it up just now within you know cities and keeping everyone's uh, mortgages um, the right way up. I mean, there's uh, you obviously see the big short, uh, the movie, and it yeah. talks about like being upside down, you know, when you can have like three mansions and there's no way you can afford them. Who's propping up the property profit markets just now in these cities? Because, yeah, no one's in the cities. Why would you buy a house in the city just now? Because mm. the reason for it was the commute and all that, you know, and it's all going to, I don't know, I think they're holding on to someone, someone somewhere's doing something um, that's keeping that all together to try and see if we can get out of this without it all crumbling. And it's scary, you know, because you know, even the footfall of traffic to the office block, you know, everyone yeah. passes by this small coffee shop or the Starbucks. Or the... I know, that is, I do feel for it. I don't feel for the Starbucks. I feel for the the small, you know, the total, like, yeah, there's a really good one called the Square, 
um, on Rutland Square in Edinburgh, a really good coffee place there, and they were good lunches and stuff like that. And I feel for them. I love it. You know, where the monkey sleeps near our office. Yeah, yeah. I love that place, and it's like it was such a cool, you know, atmosphere, and the menu was on point. The coffees were phenomenal. Yeah. I was going to that place every day, and when I moved office, I still went to that place, and mm-hmm. and you just think, wow, that business mm-hmm. has been rocked by this. You know, yeah. it's hard, hard. I think I'll go to hubs. You know what I mean? Like you'll still. Go. I'm really keen still to go. Like once it, we get out of something, a couple of days a week, you know, on a Monday or a Friday or whatever, and I'm booking the whole day out to meet people and chat to them and stuff and do all the well social distance stuff and just meet for yeah. coffees, lunches, and just have experience with people face to face, you know. And then I'm back, you know, here grafting the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it is, you know. And, um, and then the the sort of innovative stuff, you know, I, I like the idea of you could go to a golf course and have a bacon roll, use their Wi Fi, do a three yeah. par, three round three rounds of like three par three hole three par golf, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but then you spend the day working there in the cafe, and I like there'll be spaces like that that are in the suburbs that you'd yeah. think lend themselves to mm-hmm. you know giving a wee revenue stream from people who normally work from home that just want to go out. And have an excuse to use share facilities or use the golf course and have a bacon roll and use the Wi-Fi. You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now, back to it. Are you good at golf? No, dreadful. Are you? So am I. I'm <laughs> yeah. playing at Mucker on Sunday. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's just so it now. nice to get Yeah, it cool is. Yeah. But, uh, but then, uh, and BIT, I was, I was kind of interested because I... You come over across as this young, vibrant company and you have quite a, a good culture, you'd say. And, and and has someone consciously designed the culture of BIT and, and or has it just happened and you had a whole bunch of recruiters um, that collectively formed and, and put headsets on and recruited people? And Yeah, I think when Gareth started the company, um, you know, seven years ago, you know, he pulled people, um, you know, really highly experienced um, IT recruiters you know, for example, and Gareth's been at this for like I think twenty plus years. Nicola Kelly, MD has. I'm hitting fifteen years. Freddie Kidd in Edinburgh is at like twenty something years. Wow. Stuart Alexander's like you know fifteen years. There's a lot of like really experienced people um, within BIT. And that's kind of how it started. You know, so with a really strong like grounded foundation, and you know that's that's where the kind of you know it was formed. Um, yeah, and uh, we brought people in, trained them. And I think by really like experienced people, um, the culture has grown. It's just a nice company. I always say, where else would I work? There's nowhere else. Do you know? And I think that's just such an easy, a, a cool thing to be able to say. Like, you know, as an agency, there's other agencies that I rate, and there's people I know in other IT recruitment companies in Scotland and, and you know across England. Um, I think they look really cool, and some are doing brand really well, and you know the culture's really out there. Um, I just genuinely like really like working for BIT. Like it's just a good agency. Uh, just a good bunch you see, of like, people. Like you're, what, everyone throughout the organization just sorry. Everyone's just nice. Like everyone's just nice. And it's just got that, you know, we're a blue company. Hmm. I think that's really a, a really important thing. We're in blue, smart, isn't it? Um hmm. it's just they, yeah, if you like, you know, you look at emotions and look at colours and look at yeah, we're we're a blue company, like you know, we, I really and, and it kind of flows through BIT obviously that we're just there to help companies, give advice, you know, and consult on how they can attract talent. Um, if they're doing things wrong as well, we're very like, you know, like you need to be going back with this feedback, managing people this way, these roles, these people have been in process for, you know, this many weeks. We're looking at your brand just now. We need to be managing that better. You know, we're very consultative. We're not just kind of like, 
oh, here's some jobs and great, we'll, we'll send you CVs. And it was very reactive. And I partner with companies. So honestly, not being cheesy, like I totally partner with companies. Like I have an asset to the clients that I work with. And it's that, you know, I know the market, I know the talent they're looking for, I know the technical skills they want to recruit. Um, and I'm passionate about it. And if you ever lose that passion in recruitment, then there's no point in doing the job anymore. You know, if you ever lose that flame. You do have a really important role in society. And and I don't know, I think recruiters get a hard time and a bad name. You know, even the LinkedIn (laughs) stuff when it first came about, it's like, well, this is just a way of giving recruiters our data and recruiters are annoying. And they, but then that's not, (laughs) it's not true, right? But ultimately, but you have a job and and prepping someone for an interview. You, You guys do all that stuff as well, right? It's not just. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole process, obviously, of like, this, you know, we're going, we go through CV consultations with them. You know, we're looking at, is, is this telling the right story for you? Mm. Um, but most of the time, I'm doing video interviews with, with you know, with the, the candidates that I'm sending for roles um, and my team, you know, so we're putting a five, 10 minute video interview now on every CV. Um, it just adds personality, culture, a bit about that, you know, it, it makes it so much easier for the end client as well. So a lot of my roles now are interviewing, you know, the hiring manager about the job. You know, how's the role come about? What are you really looking for? Let's throw the job spec out the window. What do they need to have? What would you like them to have? Um, and then I'm sending that video to the candidates that I'm, you know, I'm headhunting and sourcing. And they're like, Is this your I could work. You, you yeah, I could work. It's not, it's not, uh, it's fine. It's not, it's not rocket science. Like, it's just saying, this is the leader that you'd work with. Um, is this your guy? Oh, yeah, I actually really like his thoughts on tech and, and what he's looking to achieve in his team and what he's building. Wow. I'd love to speak to him. All right, cool. These are the questions he wants to know from you. So I then go out to those candidates, interview them, ask his questions, send that back to him. And he's like, that guy's not quite the right fit. I liked him though. Here's his feedback. This guy though, I think he's our man. So that's the only guy you want to face for his interview. Yeah, just him. Great. I mean, literally 90% of the time, the guy gets the job. It's you know, so much because... more efficient, right? So much more yeah. And that's yeah. a COVID innovation as well, you'd say, right? The... We were starting to do it before it. All it's done is just brought out of the box more. You know, like we were doing it before. Um, if we've got, you know, if we've got clients who are working with other agencies on, um, you know, we're putting all this time and stuff behind it and such value add, um, it can make us a little bit slower than people who are just sending CVs. Mm. So sometimes they weren't that, you know, engaged with it. But since, you know, we've been through lockdown and stuff um, and candidates are available in their house all the time, you've got a minute for a quick video interview, it'll take five minutes. Yeah, no worries, I'm in the house anyway. Everyone's available, so you know. So it's been much easier doing the video stuff, um, and it's really just like really helped with our placements and time to hire. You know, the loss of candidates through a process because we've just been going. Here's the CV. Here's the video interview. Um, all right, I've watched them last night. Can I get this guy in on Friday? All right, cool. He's also got these interviews happening. Great. Let's move it quickly. What does he want? You know, it just it makes it so much easier. You know. You know, in terms of like bias and, and we talk about diversity and inclusion and stuff, is that is that is it something you've got to be conscious of as a, you know, I, I, you know, loads of little things yeah, like yeah. where you'd have to take dates and, and sort of um, and sort of date of birth, et cetera, off a CV and it's, mm-hmm. it's meant to be it's a bit more sterile so people can't judge you and loads of things mm-hmm. on your age or yeah. ageism, sexism, you know. Um, oh, completely. It's a really good question to ask. And it's a tough one for me to answer. Um, I'm glad you've asked it though. Well, yeah, it's it's so important just now. I mean, so we put all our adverts through, um, you know, a bit of software that basically take. It's amazing um, to see how masculine some of my adverts were, um, and how they how they come across and how off putting they may be 
you know, to um, you know, to a female developer or architect or someone. David who's... Goggins' book that did it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not an easy answer to that because they are then seeing the person. Mm. You know, they are then engaging with the personality. Um, but what you know, what I would say, if, you know, if a client ever said something, you know, that I want this, this, and this, and made it, you know, they wouldn't be a client to be working with anymore. Yes. you know. Um, it is because, you know, on, on on that client in a way to have a, a kind of a progressive stance yeah. on person inclusion, and you're just you're you're facilitating that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and kind of I suppose you can challenge them on on their views on it, but it's ultimately it's, it's to their detriment if they've got a, mm-hmm. a non-progressive view on it. So it's you know yeah, it, but there's challenging them as well. Do you know, I mean if they kind of come back to me and say this person's not right. And we'll go, why is it not right? And they'll say, um, I just Didn't. not a good team fit. Then mm-hmm. this is my job. What is it? What does he mean not a team fit? What was missing? I'm not just gonna, you know, be throwing CVs at a wall or throwing candidate, you know, and saying like what's gonna stick. And um, we need to know what the reason was, why they're rejected. And there's been times as well, you know, they've went they go through a short list and then they'll go through an R shortlist a second time and go, like, the first guy I met was actually the one for the job. And I'm like, Well, we've rejected him. It's going to take a bit of loving <laughs> to get him back interested again, you know. But things like that can happen. Um, but it's just making sure that, you know, you've got to remember our product is people. So we need to know from the start, like, the, the reasons that they're looking, the reasons that they're wanting to find a new job. Because if it's money, have you spoken to your, you know, your current your current manager just now or your current leader just now to say, look, you know, I, I need more money? Because I don't want to just be facilitating that you get another offer, then you want to be countered and then, you know, we're wasting everyone's time here. Just go and ask them for more money. Yes. You know, what is the reason for looking? And it's also on the counteroffer basis that most companies are counteroffer a developer just now because it's, you know, I'm sure they, they love you and you're great, but it's also more cost effective than to recruit someone brand new and train them up. You know, if we look at the, the actual implications of doing that and the cost of the organisation, um, it's quite high. Whereas if they just, you know, offer you an extra four or five grand, which is 200, 250 pound a month after tax and NI, they can just keep you in there. Um, but this was the reason you were looking because you don't actually like working with that manager anymore or the company um, is going to a different direction you want to follow down so we need to make sure that we get the real reasons that are looking for a new role and we always remind people remember that remember Stephen this is what you told me this is what you told me and when they get that counter offer or when the CEO flies up from London to deliver it personally to them and really make them feel loved and, and, and welcomed it they're aware of what's happening you know yes so mm-hmm. yeah I, love, I do love my job. It's so it's so interesting. All these things happen. You've got to caveat these things in and train people and make sure they know the process we're going through and guide them. You know, and that's what we do. We guide like them a, through it. Job is massive, right? It's like a, you know, yeah, change their lives. Yeah, and it's quite a satisfying feeling to to facilitate and a good fit for someone as well. And and a good yeah. fit for them, a good fit for the the, the recruiting company. Because even yeah. if you 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 can have you can get that dissatisfaction if you put someone into role and they leave after three months. It's like, well, we're not doing it right if they don't stick around, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, mm-hmm. there was someone quite senior placed into a contract role. I first met her two years ago um, in our boardroom in Edinburgh, and uh, I know I, I engaged for the long term. You know, it's not kind of like a a one shot thing. And um, you know, she just got offered a contract role this morning. You know, and she sent me a lovely email, and I'm just like. You know, it took, took took our time. We didn't get the first couple of roles we did, you know, but we've worked together over the last couple of years and, and now she's landed uh, a new contract and what is a difficult market. And it's a great feeling when they send you a nice email and being like, thanks for your yeah. continued support, your advice. And even the advice you offer, because sometimes they go direct to companies and, you know, they're asking about negotiating and, you know, what do you think I could get here or what do you think I could do here? Is this the right role for me? 
and pro providing that consultancy advice, we, we don't charge for that. Like, but the benefit is obviously, you know, that you're working with these people and they, they may eventually become clients as well and maybe recruiting. So, massive, yeah. you know, you just have to be embedded in the environment you're in and it's not a nine to five job. Um, my, my fiance will tell you that, you know, like it's not, but you've got to enjoy it and uh, be passionate about it. And, and I certainly am. You know, you, you guys have got that. And it's like, you know, that you, you're familiar with Simon Sinek and like the infinite yes. game, you know, so yes. recruiters get a hard time. But but if you do recruitment really well and you take care of people, then they'll remember mm -hmm. you for it and you build that. Yeah, a, a really vibrant team and, and sort of sustainable business yourself. Whereas if you're just putting bums on seats for the sake of it, then mm -hmm. bums will leave seats and you'll get a reputation mm -hmm. for that. But if you're doing that consultation type stuff mm -hmm. and coaching them and make sure it's a good fit, then mm -hmm. it's it's more power to you, right? So I like it. Oh, completely. I think it's really good. Uh, I really like the word being an empath and feeling what people feel and be able to get to the bottom of their emotions. And, you know, and I think it's been a really, really good tool in recruitment to see if someone, you know, is, reason, is leaving jobs for this reason, you know, what they're recruiting for. Um, and it's definitely helped me build rapport with people, you know. Um, We've got yeah. a tool that we use. It's called uh, TOMO, Total Motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's these McKinsey consultants developed it, but it works out, you know, what motivates people. So the three direct motivators, and you've got loads of this play, purpose, and potential. Mm -hmm. So if you've got, if you like doing what you're doing and you like working with people and putting people mm -hmm. into jobs, et cetera, then you've got loads of play. You know, in the same way that if you're a professional runner, you'd have loads of play. Mm -hmm. If you've got a higher purpose and, and you do because you're facilitating, you know, finding people the right job for them, I guess. Is there a purpose that's defined or expressed for BIT? Is there one on your website? I think we've got also got our, our culture and our core ethics and stuff like that. I mean, and uh -huh. that, I mean, each got the one. I think you just need to be passionate about what we do in recruitment. You know, yeah. people kind of say recruiters, and it, it's the monetary side of it. And I mean, that that's a benefit to it. You know that, um, you know, it can be a well-paid role, but on the back of it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know. Um, I remember my first agency telling you to pedal like a swan, you know, so on the top of the water, you're, um, you're all glamorous and you're suited and booted and you're portraying this work mask out there. Um, and below, you know, you're pedaling like mad. Um, and that's what it was like in all the agencies I worked with, you know, previously. Um, I think that's why it's good being specialists in IT, you know, because mm. there's 30 people in BIT, you know, we're, we're out in the market all the time talking to candidates. Um, you know, we know all... The startups, the SMEs, you know, yes. big FS companies. We don't work with all of them, obviously, because that would be silly. Who would recruit from? Mm. Um, but we know people in all these organisations. We've got a really good insight into the market. Um, but going back to your question, like, is there a, a kind of mantra for it? Um, I think you just got to enjoy what you do, you know. And you, you kind of uh, you've never defined that, or just maybe like no, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, defining what you know. So when it, you know. Reason. My point is, if someone came into your organization, it's a polite challenge to you. But if someone comes into your organization, it's through os osmosis that they learn these things, right? Whereas at the moment, you're no longer in an office, so your graduate doesn't sit beside Michael to learn from Michael. And it's so they're sitting at home. So it's like, it kind of, instead of relying on osmosis to, mm -hmm. to, to bring out good behaviors in people, it's almost defined somewhere that they can see it from the start. Yeah. And it helps for recruitment as well. So you're, mm -hmm. you bring someone into the firm and it's like, this is our culture. It's defined here. It's our purpose, it's our values, it's our vision. And people yeah. get on board with it a lot faster. I mean, doing right by, by, by the client. I think recruiters get a lot of, um, by the client and the candidate. I mean, a lot of recruiters get obviously a bad rep. Um, I mean, for being salesy or being, yes. you know. Um, 
putting you into roles that you're agenda. not suited for is probably yeah totally but it's I not think... i mean it's consultative yeah. it's listening to what they're looking for um and it's matching yeah. you know um we don't do i mean i can be very honest and transparent that you know in terms of like rebates and things you know like there's like i've not i don't think i've seen any in six months you know that you know we are very good at placing people and then that's the right the, roles, that screening you know? tool that you've developed to your video uh you know mm-hmm. video interview type stuff that seems to be like pretty cool as well right it's quite an efficient way yeah. to accelerate the but process of finding a fit it totally does but it also gets us out there into the market you know, mm-hmm. so you know, then hiring managers. Remember, not we're not we're not dealing with face to face. So then, seeing me interview contractors, like I feel for me, we're growing our band in the business. So as long as the contractor or the candidate for the permanent job's going out to them, BIT's brand's going out as well, and also the personal brand of the consultant working with those you know those companies. So it's really good for building rapport. You're not even in the room. Yes. Yeah. You know, and even like, do you think like a lot of I suppose IT recruitment in particular. Yeah, you know, they'll probably be quite big on the LinkedIn stuff. Is it? Is it? Or do you think it's quite unique to your recruiting firm that you've latched onto it and you've done it? You're doing it well from from a brand. Brian, um, I think that um, I th- I don't know. I think I, we, we need to do it. It's not like a it's not like a, a value add or anything. It's a necessity. You know, we're not in meetings. We're not at events. You know, we 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 headline sponsored Scottsoft, um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, we had our our brand around all the speakers videos and you know had everything kind of pushing through and um a virtual stand and stuff mm. but LinkedIn's a really good platform i think for you know being bit i think we've got really good branding our splash of color um and what we're doing now is really pulling our kind of consultants up on their personal branding and getting them to really push themselves out you know and find be... that some people are not so comfortable with it and you're you know you've got yeah. like the yeah. How do you how do you fight that? You're a director in the company. Do you have to just live and let live? And if someone doesn't want to, it's kind of it's maybe to their own detriment. But maybe if they think it's cheesy and a video isn't their thing, is that awkward? I work with engineers. Yeah, I think the start of it is, and then I think that when you know they kind of like you know get on the bike and take the stabilizers off, they maybe realise that it's actually not so bad. Yeah. Um, it's, it is a big confidence thing. Uh, also people just I mean some people you can't force people to do things you know we're not kind of like you know get your video out there um, you know get your personal brand what are you going to talk about you know it's not all that um, it's very loose hmm. there's not like a structure of like we're putting this video on a Monday and this a Wednesday mine is very much when I'm feeling it when I'm putting stuff out um, you know Nicola's the same she's done some running videos she's also doing some business updates as when things are happening to update the market on what's happening with us um, but yeah it's kind of just a bit Feel just now. We've obviously got like a, a marketing plan and, and a plan for the next six months. What we want to do, but it will involve more people coming out and bit. And I think is um, if you lead it and you do it and people see the value in it, then they actually you know think they might miss out if they don't get involved in it. So that's what's kind of been driving it just now. But there'll always use, be there'll always be sales, one. Would you, you use know? Sales Navigator in behind LinkedIn, or do you tend to just rely on LinkedIn Premium and it's just LinkedIn Premium? So we yeah. don't use uh, LinkedIn Recruiter or anything like that. Um, there's, I mean, what happened earlier in the year is there was less roles and candidates, um, you know, so you were getting direct applications for Java developers or .NET guys or architects, and the market's now starting to switch back. So the value and agency, you know, we were just, you know, biding our time. We're still getting roles coming through really difficult positions that we're filling. Um, but now it, as it starts to switch more, and there's less candidates and stuff for these roles, you know, 
all my clients are starting to switch back on and come back out to us. And we've been building these pipelines of people in the background, you know, yeah. that have been on furlough or have been affected or have a reduction in salary. Um, and these are the ones that have first kind of went out to market, you know? So, yeah. Even the, the power of a network, you know, you've got your network and I don't know, you have quite a lot of people that follow you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you get another person in your company that's that builds their own network and it just it just compounds and it becomes this big beast and it's, it's so powerful right and I mean, uh, yeah yeah if we've got like 20 people yeah you know, like you're going linkedin sharing stuff liking it and everyone's got ten thousand connections you know it's, it's kind of like it takes this one goes, like for one person to see that and then you know it can yeah. get them a job or whatever you know it's really yeah quite, quite i have powerful. noticed the algorithms changed though i have noticed it shrunk from uh you know some of the videos like getting 10,000 views and stuff and now it's like five it's the same number of likes and comments but it's just not getting as far out um so i don't know if linkedin have made a change recently to to their algorithm or you're trying to it becomes like a wee computer game it's gamification it's called where you think that you know you're trying to beat it and there's another level to get to and how many followers Mm -hmm. you get on all stuff and how many views do you get how many comments do you get and it's it's kind of like uh you can get quite vain about it in some ways and at the end of the day it's like you've got to measure the things that matter and are you value of it yeah are you converting what you want out of it and, and are you getting those uh, are you getting a mar- inbound marketing you know but it was amazing like we have gotten you know companies that have come out and says like we've got these roles on hi michael blah blah, blah. and they almost talk to you like you know, know like you. they know you and i think that's what it's all about i think so too and i did a you know? post that i don't know it's maybe Two years ago, so Piper Alpha in the oil and gas industry is a big thing. It was like 167 people died in the 80s offshore. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this article about it. Yeah. And then it got, I think, like 6,000 views, 100. I can't remember if it was like 100 likes, but like loads, like quite a lot for an article. I just wrote and it's quite organic. I didn't have to promote mm-hmm. it too heavily. And then I was speaking at a conference in Denmark. And this guy shook my hand and said, Hi, James, how's things? You know, and I, you know, and I'm not, he expected to know me because he was connected to me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know who you are. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I was as blatant as that because I just came off stage speaking to people. Yeah. And, and then he was like, oh, we're connected on LinkedIn. You know, I really liked your Piper Alpha article. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, nice to meet you. And I chatted away. And it's just like you, people have this, you know, they can become quite familiar with you even though they don't know you. It's like when you see someone in, pub, in person that you've, you've watched in the TV loads. It's quite mm-hmm. surreal. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, they they're used to seeing you're used to seeing them on on TV on whatever, and and then see them in person, it's quite surreal. There's like an aura about them. Yeah, like hey Chris, and then you're like they're like that. What? And you're yeah, because you, you. But I think it's like there must be a, like a bit code in your brain if you see someone a lot because it's not natural. Yes. Remember, as, as a caveman, if you see someone, they're seeing you. So you're building, you you're seeing each other, but now it's like they're on TV. But you're not on the TV just because you're seeing it. Do you know I mean, it's kind of like a weird thing. You should you assume that there's no rapport built, or you've now got a relationship with them. You've not. And, and the I mean? funny thing, definitely a massive. And there's some people that connect with people that they only know, so they might have like a hundred connections. Mm-hmm. But then that that doesn't help them build a network any. And, and the whole concept of it is that you you connect with people that you don't know, but you got stuff in common with. Yeah, grow it. It's, it's mad, isn't it? It is mad to get your head around all the, yeah. the way. I just get so many now that say, I work in IT, Michael. You work in IT, let's connect. Yeah. But it's just like <laughs> constantly what I get. People don't want to put like, like nothing. Hmm? <laughs> what do you, did you, do you actively connect with people to build your network? Are you quite? 
I mean, you went through phases, or no? I do. I go through phases. It depends how I'm feeling. <laughs> Someone connects to me. If I'm like, you know, it just depends. And sometimes if they, if I just connected and they're in IT, you know, if they're, if they're a candidate working in IT, there's no detriment to me connecting to them. It's a good thing for me to do. I mean, but then it's so bad if it's like automation sales or you know a remote team in Europe looking for us to supply you know work to them and stuff like that and I, I, you get bombarded with stuff mm. um, I think sales has went a bit mental on LinkedIn like I'm getting so many messages from people wanting to talk about different things I will read them all and go back to everybody because I think that's the fair thing to do um, and you get people as well that like why are you saying no when I'm like we're not having this conversation <laughs> over and <laughs> over again you know um because then you could be you one day on the other end of that, you know, and all they're doing is trying to yeah, yeah, push out their message and give advice. So I do try and go back to everyone. Um, but yeah, it's not easy. I'm sure you do as well. But yeah, it's not, I, uh, I think it's know. polite. Like, even just anyone that comments for the issue, mm-hmm. just this concise message, just be polite. And and uh, yeah, I think it's the whole point of it. And uh, Just to try and kill people with kindness. If you're, <laughs> That's what I say. That's literally what I say to my team. Yeah. Um, you know, someone could have a bad day and uh, you know give some you know negative feedback or what it could be a, a variety of things. It's definitely not our service. Um, yeah. You know, but um, and I'm just like, I oh, just kill them with kindness. Do you know what I mean? Like, thank you very much for the feedback. We appreciate it. Anything else you want to add throughout time? Please let us know. Uh, have a great day. You know, yeah, it's don't you don't you, have to take you it. You get in. involved in the sort of negative energy. It's only going to ruin your day. Yeah. Just I let know. it pass. There's a really yeah. good video and the guy shouts, it's road rage. And the guy gets out of the car and he's swearing at this guy, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's just sitting there. And then he goes, the guy walks away and he goes, have a good day. And he just starts driving again. Like he's just like being laminated and the guy's been screaming at him and it's just slid off him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to absorb or take that in. As well, if someone comes up to you and I've got this deadline, I've got this really busy, can you help me with that? I need this and that, you know, and you don't have to then be like, oh my God, we're really, really, really do you know what I mean? You can kind of like, right. I'll help you if I can. I've got this going on just now, though. You know, what can I do in, in the meantime to try and get this a bit more time? What is it? Tell me. And then just slow it all down. You know, like it's not, it's I really the end of the world. My 20s, right? I wish I knew this stuff in my 20s. Because, I know, I know. Like you got so emotional and stressed. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't know if someone could say something to you really affect you, whereas now you're like, yeah. meh, you know, they're having a bad day. I feel sorry for them. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Game that they feel in that way. <laughs> no, one teaches that, no one teaches that at school. You, you easily, you know, someone can say something, um, and if you let them in, uh, you let them in. Um, Conor McGregor talks about it a lot. You know, having an armored mind. Um, you don't have to accept their reality. You know, you're you, you're what you you do in your head, and, and you can reinforce your beliefs and stuff. Um, I've found our values because I feel like I need to tell you them. Uh, I need to so them. Our, yeah, our our values are care, communication. Advice. So it's all there. Honesty, service, and results. Wow. So we're in there, which is good. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we do permanent IT, permanent IT contract IT, and also manage services as well. And, so, and in the IT sector, you know, the e commerce is shot up in terms of just because yeah. of the digital transformation companies have made. So there is like a, there must be, it must be a sector that's thriving. If any sector's thriving right now, surely. It's definitely busy. I mean, it's definitely busy. I mean, I am thankful I'm working in IT. You know, there's like yeah. a really good picture, which is a, a building, a skyscraper building, and there's a wrecking ball coming towards it, and it's COVID-19. And the guy in the meeting room saying, you know, digital transformation, you know, we'll just continue with our five-year plan. And then there's this wrecking ball coming in being like, no, you will not. You will be remote working. I mean, there's tons of clients that, um, that I work with that um, 
had to really switch, obviously had to switch to remote working. One had like 30,000 staff. They had to switch wow. to remote working within a week. And the desktops in the offices, so they have to work in the office. CTO, the CEO, the CTO, you know, Stevie, um, we need to, I don't know why it's always Stevie, I love Stevie. You know, we need to, fi- we need to, we need to fix this problem. We've got, you know, COVID's coming, we need to work from home, what's happening? Our servers can't handle that. Load balancing, they'll go, you know, onto one of the, the Azure, Amazon, one of the cloud providers. Can you give us server space? We need this much availability. Like, no problem, it's going to cost you this. No, the money that these cloud providers would have, you know, had coming to them during this with been mental phenomenal um whatsapp text messages and videos and, and and memes and all sorts there's been so much data floating about right yeah i mean there's loads of data i was speaking to the the head analytics of a, a leading bank um about what they've been finding and, and seeing stuff um in terms of like spending loans credit cards like all the analytics that they pull together um, and it's very insightful to see where things go, and they use this obviously to then trend out their strategy. Mm. Um, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. It's also scary. Like one of the leading television providers, uh, the, the data they collect during lockdown, what people are doing, watching, like getting up to everything yeah. is tracked. Like even every website, I don't people know this. Like as well, like every website you visit, your ISP, so your internet service provider, logs by law now every website you visit. Now, they'll log it for, I don't know how many years it is, but they keep it. And if ever, you know, you were underhandedly, something happened, blah, 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 then they can then request this information. It's not viewed, but it's all logged. You know, so there's another data point. So how many data points do they have on you? Amazon, on me, you know, the bank. So they know so much about you. So then the impact on the environment, right? You know, Mm -hmm. David Attenborough did his Extinction Facts documentary the other day that was released and, and we're all like, oh, isn't it great? We're not flying anymore and we're not in our cars as much. But there's like data is, is a massive, you know, produce massive amounts of carbon. Yeah. And like, I think for every email. Data centers. Like, mm-hmm. Data centers must be red hot, right? Expanding by the minute. And it's like, uh, yeah. for every email, is it three grams of carbon for an email? Yeah, like that. that's crazy. I didn't know that. Um, and it is worrying. And I mean, I suppose all we can we need to be doing, because we we're going to the, this digital economy. You know, I mean, like things are moving and shaping this way, but we need to be looking at just offsetting it. Like, you know, like Brewdog have done, you know, they're still, you know, doing carbon, but now they're trying to plant a tree for every, you know, so many beers they sell or whatever it is, you know, and start this forest and become carbon neutral or carbon positive. And I think companies really need to start engaging in that. But it's Even it doesn't in- matter how small you are, you just need to be doing it. Individual at an individual level, but it's written into legislation now. You know the net zero by twenty fifty, and there's actually going to be a carbon tax comes out. uh, With the prediction is that a carbon tax comes out within the next uh, ten years, maybe seven five to seven years, and then yeah, companies will be incentivized to make offshore wind uh, profitable for hydrogen for carbon capture. So Mm. I think the human race will fix itself eventually. I'm an optimist like you. Yeah. So all the I, I hope it will. I mean, now is the rainforest the scariest thing for me. You know, they say the planet's lungs. Yeah. Um, and they're just they're burning it. You know what I mean? At an alarming rate. But then if that's all they can sell or all they can do with that land, then we really should be sub I know we do subsidize to an extent, but we just need to go in and see like what's it going to take to stop this happening? And exactly. we need to do it now. You know, like just stop the bullshit of it all and just go in and fix it. That's you know what I mean. That's the like, thing, like the the irony of Amazon calling themselves Amazon when you know they're driving all this consumerism and stuff. It's quite yeah, and the packaging ridiculous. Amazon sort that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, I think we've cured enough world problems and I'm so grateful for your time as well. No, that's been awesome, James. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no bother. And uh, I think you you're, uh, you put recruiters in such a good light. I think it's an important function. Oh, no, thank you. So, yeah. Well done. I try. I do have my bad days as well. Everyone does, but I try. <laughs> yeah, when you're not running, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go and go run now. Yeah, tremendous. I'll do the same. Thanks so much. All the best, James. Great chatting to you. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Michael. Okay, bye. Thanks, bye. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. That was Michael Fair of BIT. And find out a bit more about what we do at mostly.consulting. Next episode, I speak to Tima Elhaj. She's based in Melbourne and has her own business um, that operates in the sort of social media hemisphere. Uh, she's got 100,000 followers on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, helps people build their brands and 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 yeah, has built up quite a, a good going business in uh, in Australia, probably one of the biggest influencers, if you like, um, in, in Australia. So yeah, I had a good chat to her, so look forward to, to releasing that. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at mostly.consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend?